What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah. And Noah, as promised, we are coming back halfway through the finals to give the listeners an update on what we're thinking and where we're at. And, And Noah, we've got ourselves a series. We do have ourselves a series, Colin. Um, it wasn't looking like it after the first two games, Colin, but, you know, I think you predicted Bucks in seven. I predicted Suns in seven, Colin, and I think we might be going the whole distance here. Yeah, you know, honestly, you know, it, it feels to me similar to, uh, I'm going to throw, throw you back on this one, the 2006 NBA Finals. Uh, it was a young, young-ish Dirk Nowitzki. I guess not that young. He he was he was well into his career at that point. But first time the Mavs, who who had been quite good for quite some time, made the finals, went up two nothing. And uh, as I recall, being in about third grade, people people had called it over. I mean, they had said it's done. They'd said Jack's too old. Uh, you know, all the media stuff. And then the Heat just came roaring back. And I, I'm kind of feeling something like that out of the box. Is it too soon to call that? For, for I, those that forget the Heat, Heat won six. They went on to win the next four. Yeah. Um. I I don't I don't know, Con. Um. Game four. Game four is a pretty pivotal game, Con. Because on one hand, it feels like if the Bucks tie that series up, Con, I I think it's pretty hard for the Suns to um to win that series honestly but on the other hand you know the Suns win game four in Milwaukee they're up 3-1 I I feel it's pretty hard for the Bucks to come back from that too so um the game tomorrow it's a it's gonna be might be the best game of the series con because it truly is like probably will be the most important game yeah no I hear you on that one just it's it's not the must win but it's the fake must win Mm -hmm. for Milwaukee because obviously LeBron was able to do it, but three one is just such a tough, tough comeback to do, and that atmosphere in Phoenix right now is pretty crazy. Oh, Noah, they were I buzzing. Mean, that's that's not a place I want to be. People forget no. Phoenix is one of the biggest cities, fifth largest in the U.S. Yeah, like I, it's kind of regarded in NBA circles as more of like a small market, but. Clearly, those those people care. The, the people from Phoenix and in the greater Niagara Falls region came out to party. Yeah, um, but even the Bucks, con they they were rocking too. Um, you know, they have that whole outside section. Um, I forget what it's called. Uh, my a podcast uh, I listen the to called the, yeah the podcast I listen to called the Dojo. I kind of like that more, but uh, yeah, the Deer that, District. The Deer District was popping, Colin. It reminds me of um, when the Raptors were in the finals and they had Jurassic Park open outside of their stadium. Jurassic Park was sick. That Yeah, that really was sick. Yeah. Um, I wanted to... I actually was going to bring this up to you, Colin. The viewership numbers for right. Game 1, Colin. Um, around 7.4 million people watched. And that's actually Ooh. the lowest amount of people to say. watch Game 1 of the NBA Finals in around, like seven years um just to put that into perspective that when the lebron and warriors had their trilogy um finals that game one yeah. got 16 million viewers 
Yeah, I was gonna say I've I've looked at that stuff before. Seven mil's not great. It's it's not you know? looking great. And do you think that is Colin because there's no there's no LeBron, there's no like Giannis is one of the biggest names in the league, Colin, so is it just because, you know, Phoenix and Milwaukee just aren't two of the biggest teams in the NBA or or are people, you know, just doing other stuff because they were locked up for a whole year previous to this? No, I, I don't think it's because people are locked up. I feel like people are itching to watch sports. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to throw two things at you. One, this is the latest the finals have ever been, uh, other than last year when it was in October. But we're about a month off of where the finals should be. Mm-hmm. And so you're competing with, with other things like baseball. You've got the Euros, which have been immensely popper, popular. UFC, there, there's some other stuff going on right now that I do think detracts a little bit from the viewership. Um, and then two, yeah, I, I think not having a LeBron, a Steph Curry, a KD definitely hurts because the casual fan is uh, less less likely to tune in. Well, Giannis has been one of the best players in the NBA. I, I don't know if he's regarded is having as much of a following outside of basketball as some of those other guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I bet if we look right now, like, I'm sure Steph, KD, and LeBron all have 20, 30-plus million Instagram followers, and I bet that Giannis is, is definitely below that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, Giannis has 9 million. Kevin wow. Durant has... Kevin Durant. Is KD not on Instagram? Yeah, I think his name's like KD Trey Five. Damn, I don't think he's on here. All right, regardless, regardless, Giannis is um yeah, yeah. clearly a less marketable player. But I feel bad that there's only seven million people watching Con because these have been three fantastic basketball games in my opinion so far. Yeah. No, and absolutely. Should do you want to break this down like game by game, Con? Since there's only three games to talk about so far. Yeah, yeah I, I think I, I'd like to do that. So, game one, um, in Phoenix, we. Uh, and and I will say this: I think that game one of the NBA Finals, on a, a normal circumstance. It isn't always the the best indicator of how this series is going to go. Um, I know that the stats might not back that up, but I think that this is a bit more of an even matchup than uh, some of the NBA Finals in, in history. I, I don't think that anybody was expecting this to be like a sweep. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody was predicting that, and obviously there have been series in the past that you, they just look like it could be a sweep. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you've got Giannis coming off of definitely being hampered and injured. Uh, they were able to get through the Hawks without them. Um, but game one, Phoenix comes out, really, really makes their mark on it. Um, Milwaukee did a good job at making it closer than it probably was towards the end of the game. Uh, but the Suns handled it pretty easily. Would you agree with that, Noah? Um, yeah, I honestly think the game wasn't as close as um, the score 118 to 105 actually dictated. 
Um, Which isn't even that close. Yeah, the thing is here, Colin, that Giannis did not look himself. Um, the Giannis I saw in Game One, Colin, compared to the Giannis I saw in Game Three, it was it was day and night. Um, just the, some of the yeah. movements he was making in Game Three, he could not make in Game One. Um, he only took eleven shots in that Game One, Colin. Um, but the Bucks actually won the minutes that Giannis was on the floor. Giannis actually finished the game um, plus one in the plus minus box score and. I thought they could go to him a lot more. Um, as I said, he only took 11 shots, but you could clearly tell he wasn't feeling himself. But um, I was thinking, Colin, they had they were they were having Brooke Lopez guard Aiton, and Aiton was kind of feasting in the pick and roll. Um, he finished that game he with 22 so points, good. 19 rebounds. But um, I was thinking in that game one, Colin, I almost want to put Giannis on DeAndre Aiton, and I think that does. Um, deter the Suns from bringing up Aiden and as many pick and rolls as they did. And I was actually thinking mm-hmm. that if I'm the Bucks, I'll put Brooke Lopez on Jay Crowder and I'll make Jay Crowder beat me if they want to run Jay Crowder in the pick and roll to still try and take advantage of Brooke Lopez. Um, yeah. I still think that's a, I still think that's a move they could still make. But the Suns did not play fantastic either Colin um they got 27 out of Devin Booker but he was only one from eight from three shot 38 right yeah Yeah, 38 from the field one for eight from three um I can tell you right now DeAndre Aiden's gonna have 20 and 20 I think it's pretty hard like the Suns are gonna win every game DeAndre Aiden does that if you um Chris Ball was fantastic in that game Colin 63 percent from the field 32 points um all of the all of the five starters for the Suns were plus 18, plus 13, plus 17, plus 19, plus 14. Um, as you said, Con, the Suns starting five may not be the most talented in the league, but they do play the best um, with each other in the league, and that's clearly mm-hmm. shown. Um, they have insane chemistry, but the story of that game, Con, really is Dario Saric tearing his ACL in that game, um, mm-hmm. which, which leaves the Suns in a really bad spot, Con. Um, it's already something that's came back to bite them in the ass in Game 3. But without Dario Sarge Khan, the only playable big man we're looking at behind DeAndre Aiden is Frank Kaminsky. Frank the Tank Kaminsky. And <laughs> as we know, Frank went to Wisconsin. You know, maybe he's a little double agent. He's playing bad when he's getting the chance. He wants to see it come home to Milwaukee. But Dario Sarge getting hurt leaves the Suns with no... No viable big man options, Colin, and I do think that will be a storyline um, we're going to be looking at at the end of the finals. But from game one, I was really impressed with how Aiton played, Colin. You know, I knew the Bucks were going to go at him, but until mm-hmm. game three of that finals, Colin, Aiton actually hadn't had five fouls all playoffs in a game. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Yeah, I mean, and, and he's a guy that's down there banging. Um, yeah. Scott Foster, let's talk about it. Should we? Do we think maybe? We'll do game two first. We'll do game two because game right. three is, <laughs> I think, the um, the most fun game. So game two, Con the Suns yeah, win yeah. 118-108 again. Um, this is a this is a much better Giannis performance, Colin. He went 15 of 22 from the field, 11 of 18 from the free throw, 
finished the game with 42 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. Um, but this was really, this came down to the Suns, Con. The Suns that game had an offensive rating of 128 per 100 possessions, which would have yeah. led the league in the regular season by like 18 points, I think. Um, yeah, that's insane. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, Con, were a combined 12 of 37 from the field. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say about that con. They, that I, just... I know exactly what to say. <laughs> we we had said at the beginning of, of this series that that Drew was more more or less the X factor in this series because if Drew Holiday can play well, you know Giannis is going to play well. You know Giannis can put up forty two a night. There's a good chance Giannis averages like thirty five this finals. Actually, he's going to average 35 this finals. Um, maybe take away that, that first playoff game. That, that might bring the average down. But still, um, you know, you knew somebody else was going to have to step up. And I thought it was going to have to be Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton could do it too. But when both of those guys are, are playing like booty butt cheeks, the Bucks aren't going to get anywhere. You know, the, the role players can do everything in their power. And it, it still won't matter because you need – your secondary stars to shine. And, yeah. and that's as, that's as simple as that. It's really it's really tough with a it's really tough with a guy like Chris Middleton Colin because he is a jump shot he's a jump shot reliant player. And we've seen that with other guys, you know, Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, Chris CJ McCollum, they're all jump shot first kind of players um and when they don't have that going they just straight up don't have that going some nights and i'm not disappointed with middleton Colin. we we know he's gonna have performances like this he's a ferris wheel um mm-hmm. i'm more disappointed with drew holiday because that dude's given everything he has on the defensive end like that's a fact con he has he has his fucking yeah. hands full on that end but the bucks need him to be that secondary secondary creator they need him to score at least like they need him to score um i just don't know i don't know why have the bucks not explored taking a point guard or acquiring a point guard con can you answer me that i i cannot it sounds like there's a, a, a we have a special guest that wants to come on the podcast What did All you right, say? Just kidding. I said, I said it sounds like we have a special guest who wants to come on the podcast. Who is it? I don't know. It's whoever keeps shouting Noah at your door. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Chris Middleton, dude. He's here to kill me. It's Chris Middleton. Chris, Chris, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, sorry, sorry what, what was the question again? <laughs> it's a... Uh, if you're the Bucks, Kong. <laughs> if you're the Bucks, Kong. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm the Bucks. Why do you think they've never explored this option of getting a point guard in in that roster, a playmake first point guard like Chris Paul? <laughs> um, I think it's because it's the nature of Giannis. I, I don't think that Giannis is such a create his own shot type of guy that um, the team that they've built around him doesn't necessarily need a 
playmaking first point guard, like a Chris Paul, like a Ben Simmons. You know, I th- I think that they truly are better suited with somebody that can look to create their own shot and is an elite defender, like they've found in Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday still does well at the the playmaking aspect of the game. Um, but then you look at their second superstar, star, all-star, Chris Middleton. He, he's also a guy that works pretty well in the ISO game. So I just don't know if it benefits the Bucks to have somebody with the ball in their – that needs the ball in their hands to make plays. I think it, it just inherently makes more sense to have the ball in your – scorer's hands mm-hmm. I I do agree with that Colin but then you see Drew Holiday and Middleton go 12 of 30 37 combined and you do and you go wow maybe they could benefit from a guy getting these guys easier shots because Holiday is not a pass first point guard Colin um, in my eyes right. he's not even a point guard he's a shooting guard um He's looking to score when he gets that ball. But I felt so bad for Giannis in this game, man. 42 and forty-two and 12 uh, put the entire team on his back. And um, they couldn't really get anything out of any of the other guys on the Bucks either. P.J. Tucker was like mm-hmm. 7 points. Brooke Lopez was 8 points. Um, but we do have to talk about the Suns, Colin. McCall Bridges dropped 27 points on the Bucks that game. And that was McCall quite shocking. Bridges is darn good. That was quite shocking to me, Colin. Um, I knew McCall Bridges is good, and it kind of it kind of opened my eyes that like he could probably be doing that on a bad team. If he if he's on a bad team, I think he could be averaging like twenty a night, honestly. But on the Suns team, you know, he yeah. has a very defined role. Um, I can't think of what what I was gonna say. Um. Do you just want to get into Game Three, Con? Because I do think Game Three. Well, no. I mean, we we can just say like, like this is why the Suns are so lethal mm-hmm. because they're one through five. Any given night, one of those guys can go off. I mean, to transition into Game Three, Jay Crowder, who had one point in Game One, was six of seven from three. Dude, I swear. I mean, to God, he just lit it up. Whenever I see Jay Crowder shoot a three. And I'm watching the TV. I swear to God, he misses. <laughs> I never see that guy I, make a three. <laughs> you're just watching the wrong games, I guess, dude. Because Jay Crowder is kind of money from deep. Like, I I would call him in my mind like the premier 3 and D guy in the league. Mm. I, I'd i agree with I that. He's know. one of them. He's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he shot 39% on the season on six and a half attempts a game. Uh, this playoffs, he's shooting 39% on six and a half attempts a game. I mean, pretty consistent stuff out of him right there. Yeah. Um, but trans- yeah, yeah tra- transition to game three, um, like we said, the, the series has really started here. Yeah, the Bucks won this game 120 to 100, Colin. Um, they were led by Giannis's 41 and 13, his second consecutive 40 and 10 game, Colin. And 
That puts him in an elite club now, Colin. The only people to have back-to-back 40-point games in the NBA Finals are LeBron, Jerry West, Michael Jordan, Shaq, and now Giannis. Light work. Um, this is actually Giannis's 11-30-10 game of the playoffs, Colin. And the only players to have more in one <laughs> playoff run are Shaq and Elgin Baylor. Sheesh. Um, this was this was a story of. This is something that we feared coming into this series, Colin. Um, Milwaukee really benefited from the sore spot in Phoenix's rotation, uh, the lack of um, front court depth. DeAndre Aiden was stuck in foul mm-hmm. trouble all game, Colin. He picked up his fourth foul less than two minutes into the second half. And like we said, backup their backup big man Dario Sarge was hurt. So the Suns were rolling out there with like a Frank Kaminsky, Cam Johnson front court. Yeah. And the Suns and the fourteen minutes that those two were their front court lineup gone, the Suns were outscored by twelve. Um they could that lineup can score in bunches, but they have no one to protect the paint on the other end, Colin. On three straight mm-hmm. possessions, Giannis posted up Jay Crowder, did a hook shot on him. Next possession, he comes down, gets a foul when Cam Johnson is guarding him, hits both free throws. Next possession, he Euro steps McCall Bridges into oblivion. Um, and that was just, that was that was the minutes they were out there. They had to quit doing that. They had to play DeAndre Aiden. Um, Aiden could only manage to play around 25 minutes this game, Colin. And if they get him into foul trouble this series, this series is wraps, Colin. It really is. Um, yeah. They have absolutely no answer to Giannis, almost with DeAndre Aiden in the game. Yeah. And yeah, Jan- I mean, no, I, I want to make my Scott Brooks. Wait, what's his name? Scott. Uh, that Foster. right? Is Scott Brooks? Scott Foster. My Scott Foster jokes now. So, uh, for the listeners out there, Scott Foster was the head ref of Game 3, and Chris Paul, in his entire NBA tenure, has never won a playoff game that Scott Foster ref. So, uh, yeah. you know, th- there's something to be said about the idea that hey. Aiton is in hey. trouble. Hey. Yeah. Not looking great. Um. But, yes. So the the point that I want to make about Game 3, Noah, and this is purely because I want to paint myself as a genius, um, is, yes, Giannis had a phenomenal game. Crazy game. But there was a point in the third quarter, uh, and, and the Bucks led by a wide margin most of this game. But there was a point in the third quarter where the Suns actually – got it to a, a six-point deficit. Cam Johnson makes a layup with about six minutes to go. Drew Holiday immediately comes down, knocks down a three, and then proceeds to knock down two more threes in the next minute and a half to bring the lead back up above 10. And it, it really was never close again after that. Um, and this is with Giannis off the court. If you can get those types of shots from Drew, from Middleton, even from Lopez, from Connaughton, if you can get those guys cooking and it's not just the Giannis show, 
I think the Bucks are going to win every single game. Because Giannis, no matter what, it can put up 35 a game. I truly believe that. Yeah, Giannis might legitimately average 40 and 10 for the rest of this series. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying here, is that as good and well-rounded as the Suns are, I think it is so difficult to overcome Giannis and then somebody else being hot. I just, I, I'm not sure that they can beat that unless they're just absolutely cooking on the offensive end, which is tough to do against this Bucks team. Yeah. Um, Drew Holiday played a hell of a game on Devin Booker, Con. Um, Devin Booker was only three mm-hmm. for 14 that game, Con. One of seven from the three point line. Ended the game with 10 points. Um, DeAndre Aiden had another pretty underwhelming game. He had 18 and 9, but he was in foul trouble the whole game. Um, Chris Paul showed up, but the Suns want to win. It's got to be a full team performance, Con. Um, I think that. I think that. I do think this game, looking forward, Con, this game four is so important. Um, If Giannis comes out and looks like himself, Con. I think the mm-hmm. Bucks are straight up just going to win this series. Um, and it will be unlucky, too, the Suns. But Giannis is actually plus 25 on the series, Con. That's how well he's been playing. And two out of those three Jeez. games have been losses. By 10 points or more. And I actually wanted to say something about the Suns. That was actually their second game of the whole year where they actually trailed by more points after the third quarter. Um, where they trailed by more than 20 points after the third quarter. Wow. That's kind of insane. <laughs> That's, that is kind of insane. But um, looking forward, Con, are you still sticking with your Bucks and 7 prediction? Yeah, I am. I, I think that the Bucks take it again tomorrow night. Um I think that just by virtue of how tough it is to play in Phoenix, I think they're going to split down in Phoenix. Honestly, here's my prediction. I think Milwaukee's going to take this thing 3-2. Phoenix is going to win the game to to take it to 7. Yeah, yeah. so Phoenix is going to win... Wait, how does this work? So you're predicting the go, Bucks to win four and five, yeah. the Suns win six, and then the Bucks win in seven yeah. at Phoenix. And so, so it's gonna go Milwaukee for game four, Phoenix, Milwaukee, Phoenix again. Yeah, that's what okay. you think is gonna happen. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm asking yes, with yes, the location yes, yes, of the yes. games. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then no, 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 no. I, I think that Phoenix gets their home court. I think the Bucks their home court. And then I think the Bucks walk into Phoenix for game seven. Lock it down. Yeah, it's so. kind of hard to not overreact to this game, Con, because this does kind of feel like what the Bucks should have been this entire time, Con. You know, it's Giannis and then mm-hmm. the Bucks. Um and it's kind of making me feel bad about my Suns and Seven pick. But I think that is me overreacting a little bit because we did just fucking watch the Suns win the first two games. And Giannis did have a 40 point game in one of those games. So, yeah. I'm sticking with my Suns and Seven con. Um, 
I think the Bucks win tomorrow night. I think the Suns handle both of their games at home, and I think the Bucks win Game Six at home too. Um, it's a home court advantage type of series, I do think. I I hear you on that one. I mean, both of these places have just turned out to have such passionate fans. I, I really do think that it means something. Um, and I also just think with. Uh, the way that the, the tides have been turning outside of home court advantage um, does play a bit into it as well. So I, I cannot wait so far. I cannot wait to see Phoenix for a game seven. That place will I, be rocking. I will shit shit my pants. <laughs> it's just gonna be so much fun. I'm so ready for it. All right, Colin. Um, that's our that's our finals pre or our finals recap so far of the three games we've seen, yes. and we're gonna spend a little more time on this current episode, Con, talking about my Indiana Pacers. Um, Hooey. we got we got we got to talk about these boys, Con. Um, There's a lot to talk about here. So we never even got to talk about this, Con, but we did fire Nate Bjorkren, and we did end up Good. hiring Rick Carlisle. Um, uh-huh. I thought th- I thought that was an absolute home run hire. Um, I really did not expect to get a guy of Rick Carlisle's caliber. I thought he was the best coach available this offseason. Um, I really did think we were going to end up with a Scott, Terry Stotts or a Steve Clifford type coach and just, you know, make a very mediocre run to the playoffs again, win one game, lose in the first round. But, um... Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really happy we got Rick Carlisle, Colin. Um, I think he's he's one of the best tactical coaches in the league, Colin, which is which is something the Pacers need very badly right now. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you what kind of system fits that Pacers team the best, and I'm hoping that's something that Rick Carlisle can figure out. That's what we brought him in for. Um, he's also. A veteran to the league, Colin. He's not a first-year head coach like Nate Bjorken was, so I think he does command the respect out of the players on the Pacers team. Um, what What did you think about that hire, Colin? Well, first off, let me just say, after everything about Nate Bjorken came out, dude sounds like one of the biggest a-holes around. Did you hear the stuff about when he was the head assistant coach in Toronto uh, to Nick Nurse? that he would tell, like, lower staff members and players to come to him before going to Nurse without telling Nurse he was doing that? Yeah, that's a, that's a big oof right there. It's kind of messed up. Like, it sounds to me like he was just, like, a fear-monger. And, and just, like, it's, like, my way or the highway, like, to the nth degree. And so, it, yeah, it makes sense to me why guys, like, TJ Warren were like, get me the hell out of here. I don't want to be here. Because this dude just didn't create a conducive atmosphere to allow anybody to do anything. So with that said, it's no wonder why the Pacers underperformed last year, despite having two all-star caliber players and a very deep bench from the looks of it. You know, on paper, this team should have finished better than a ninth seed, Noah, correct? Yes. Um, yeah, on paper, 
the Pacers are legit like one through ten deep with quality players. Exactly. So just getting Nate out of there was was truly step one. And step two, I mean, Rick Carlisle obviously has a history with the Pacers. He's been in the finals in the Reggie Miller era with the Pacers. And you're right. I mean, I don't think anybody really expected him to want to leave the Mavericks. I think everybody kind of saw that as a golden opportunity. You get to coach one of the most exciting players of the next decade, presumably. But obviously he didn't get along with Luca and Chris Stops and maybe some of the other players as well as we would have thought. So yeah, you guys nailed it. Then you got, you got him to come home, come back. And I think that he will provide for the Pacers exactly what has been missing from a coaching standpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, in my eyes, Rick Carlisle, absolute fucking smash that. The front office didn't even interview a single other coach, Con, um, before hiring Rick Carlisle. And I'm super pumped about that. But next on the table, Con, I want to bring to you a, a hypothetical hypothetical offseason plan. These. It's not, not the official offseason plan, but it's just... It's been something I've been rattling off in my brain all day, and I just wanted to run it by you, you know, to see if you think it's viable, if you think it's realistic, if you think it's stupid. And it's funny, Colin, because whenever I, whenever I think of a basketball topic I want to talk to you about on the podcast, I'll just sit here by myself and I'll just I'll just talk it out and acting like we're on the podcast, <laughs> actually talking about it. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> So, as you know, the Pacers the Pacers offered Malcolm Brogdon and a first-round pick to the 76ers for Ben Simmons gone. Um, Correct. They clearly said no, um, as they should. I, I don't think Ben Simmons will get moved, Colin, until the Sixers find out what they want to do in free agency. But, right. but the Pacers will be one of the teams interested in Ben Simmons gone. Um, I think I saw today that the Raptors were interested in trading for him, and I do think that would be best-case scenario for the Sixers, Colin, if they could somehow get Pascal Siakam back in a deal, but I don't I don't think the Raptors end up actually doing that. Um, another team that was interested were the Cavs, um, and I think it involved Colin Sexton coming back to the Sixers, but honestly, I'm not that big of a fan of Colin Sexton. I think that Ben yeah, Simmons is a better player. I wouldn't want Colin Sexton back. So... And the Timberwolves are also interested, but they said they're not trading D'Angelo Russell. So really, what do they even have to offer to the Sixers to get Ben Simmons other than draft capital? Which is something I don't think the Sixers want. The Sixers want to win right now. Yeah, they've come out and said that they do not want draft capital. They want both draft capital and an all-star caliber player right now. So that leads me to, I think the Pacers have... I think the Pacers can provide the Sixers with one of the best trade packages right now for Ben Simmons gone um and I was thinking I was thinking as a Pacer fan do I even want Ben Simmons on this team and I eventually came to the conclusion that yes if we had the opportunity to go out and get a Ben Simmons con that we should because the Pacers realistically con have no way of ever getting a player that is of Ben Simmons' caliber slash has the potential that Ben Simmons has. Because we're never going to be bad enough to draft a guy like Ben Simmons, 
and we're not a free agent destination to land a guy like Ben Simmons in free agency. Correct? Yeah, you nailed it. So, in this hypothetical, Colin, if you're the Sixers and I offered you Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, and a first, are you saying yes or no? Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, and this year's first. So that 12th pick? 13th. But 13th pick. Fate, in an ideal world, it's not this year's first. <laughs> Um, and, and you're just asking for Simmons? Yeah, I, d- I haven't actually, like, run this through the trade machine, but let's assume, yeah. Alright, let me... And if you say no to that, Colin, take out Jeremy Lamb, put in TJ Warren. So, TJ Warren makes it, like, an automatic. Yeah, okay, Like, you so... say TJ Warren, like, it's just, like, yes. Okay, so, I... Personally, I am down to make that trade, Colin. Um, after this season, we have to pay Domas, who's currently making around $20 mil a year. And Domas is um, he's a near-max player, Colin. If John Collins is going to receive a near-max contract, so is Domas, who John I think Collins is the better is player. John near-max? He's going to, actually. That's um, aggressive. That's whack. That's whack. But um, that's Domas whack. is the better player. Domas is better than John Collins. Dude was a hundred million dollar player like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Man, that dude made bank off of like one playoff appearance. Yeah, playoff run, playoff run. But um, so after this season, we have to pay Domas, who I imagine will be somewhere near, more closer to thirty mil than twenty mil. I'll tell you that. The season after that, Con, we have to pay both Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon. They're both free agents. Realistically, we can't keep all three. So one of those three, if not two of those three, will be moved eventually. So I'm not... I like Malcolm Brogdon, but I'm not in love with Malcolm Brogdon. He's kind of injury-riddled, has a hard time playing the whole time, and he's actually feuded Mm -hmm. with our last two coaches, um, something I don't really like. So I'm fine with Malcolm Brogdon going away in that trade. TJ Warren, a guy I'm also a fan of. He's on a fantastic contract. But <clears throat> um, bubble TJ Warren was a straight-up outlier, Con. He's not that good of a player. Um, yeah. So I'm fine with getting rid of him too. Um, and getting a player like Ben Simmons back is something that this Pacers franchise has no no chance of ever doing outside of a crazy situation like this. Um, where, and I think you said it, Colin, I couldn't remember exactly what you said, but you said something about how, like, you didn't like how people overreacted to, um, like, guys who have bad playoff series, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous. Um, and I, I wasn't that surprised, Colin, with how the Sixers season ended. We already knew Ben Simmons didn't like to shoot. It's not like it was surprised that he... Yeah wasn't scoring like that wasn't a surprise to me we knew that's who he is so i am fine with getting ben simmons right now a guy who has crazy potential who is arguably the best defender he's the best perimeter defender in the nba and he's arguably maybe the best defender in the nba and he's also an elite level playmaker con i think he has that passing vision that only certain guys in the nba have um it's something you're not 
you can't acquire. It's just something you're born with, really. It's like the third eye in the back of your head. So mm-hmm. that's part one of this, Colin. Um, I'm perfectly fine with the Pacers going after Ben Simmons. And if we were to acquire him, I would be very happy. Um, that's something not a lot of not a lot of Pacer fans are super high on Ben Simmons, but they're part of that crowd, Con, that overreacted to his bad playoff series. Um, I always thought that a team built around Ben Simmons could be equally as good of a team built around Joel Embiid, and I kind of do still believe that. Um, I don't think the Sixers explored using Ben Simmons as a role man instead of the ball handler in a pick-and-roll situation. I don't think that's been explored mm-hmm. enough yet. But it leads us to this situation, Colin, to where our starting lineup would be some looking something like Ben Simmons, Karis Vert, whoever we want at the three, Miles Turner, and Domas. And this is this is this is the part that is hard to wrap my ra- mind around, Colin, because we clear Domas is a traditional center, Colin. He wants his back to the basket. That's where he excels at the most. And yeah. Domas, Domas is my favorite player on the Placers, Colin. I absolutely love him. But if we were to go after Ben Simmons and acquire him, I think we have to sell high on Domas and trade him because we're not going to just run back another team with Ben Simmons in a traditional center. Wow. It's, wow. Okay. It's, and I was talking to fellow Pacer fans, Con Simon B, Zach R, um, and Simon's brother actually brought up the thought of that if we did get him, we would have to trade Domas. And initially, I was two Budweisers in, and I was going, "Why the fuck would we trade Domas? He's our best player." Hey, He's what the fuck are you? And then I, I kind of just thought about it, and I was like, "We would." We, we straight up would. Um, Miles Turner would fit with Ben Simmons much better. Miles can space the floor, and he's an elite rim protector. And yeah, we would have to sell high on Domas, Khan, which seems and crazy. So, seems crazy, right? And so then who... I mean, this is like the first time I've ever even like thought about exploring that for the Pacers. Who are you looking at it going to get then? Like, so, a Red Beal? No, that's that's not realistic, honestly. Um, we'd be trading too much draft capital to get both Simmons and acquire Brad Beal, and we just traded away two of our best assets. So I was thinking, I don't think the Pacers would want one all-star caliber player to a similar level of Domas. Um, I think we would need multiple people back here, Colin. So Okay. I haven't explored every trade option, but one team that did pop into my head was the Sacramento Kings. Um, yeah, that's just where I'd landed it in my head. As we know, what, the home. No, as we know, Holmes is a free agent, and I don't hate the thought of getting Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes back in a Domas type deal. Wow. Okay, so so in, in this deeply deeply run hypothetical, <laughs> you're you're giving up Domas and um nothing nothing we'll else. Call it unless we have to match salary. All right, yeah. yeah. So Domas for Barnes healed, and they're giving us a pick. I'll and, tell you and, that. 
a and second, Holmes, a first, and a pick. No, Holmes is a free agent. We we don't get Holmes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's why they need. Okay. That's why they need. That Domas. makes way more sense. Oh. Okay. I don't hate that at all. So then we'd be we'd be looking at we'd be looking at a starting lineup consisting of Karis LeVert, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Ben Simmons, Miles Turner. And you could argue that's not any better than the team we already have right now, Colin, but we did raise our ceiling of our best player. Yes, right? Yeah. yeah. And we're we're going all in on presenting Ben Simmons the team built around him specifically, and we're putting a lot of chips into Carousel Vert developing into a hopeful number two, number one kind of guy, which I'm not mad about. I think Carousel Vert is a really good ball player. I hear that. Wouldn't that be something insane to think about, Con? a different narrative that has been going around in that Ben Simmons is somebody that likes basketball but doesn't love basketball and that's been presented as the reason as to why maybe his free throw is so bad, why he doesn't have an outside jumper uh, because he just doesn't necessarily work on his game as, as much as other players do and I don't know if that's just coming out in light of you know him busting in the playoffs, and that's the the narrative that's being pushed. But you know, you, you got to take it for what it is. I mean, I'm sure that the, the truth is somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Does that? And in the second part of this is, you know, he's dated the Jenners. He he seems to have a bit more of an extravagant. <laughs> what in Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't get much like, choice. Like, do, do you hear me on that? Okay. okay. Yes. All yes. Right. Yes. I'm just saying, if you're getting all these assets to a guy, yeah, we're who... also giving him the keys to the franchise. And and what's his current contract? I'm looking it up right now. It's a fatty. It's a fatty. I'll tell you that. He's already right. he already has the extension, right? He's off. His yeah, deal. I think he's making like thirty two a year. He's signed through 2025. That's nice. Yeah. He won't be leaving anytime soon if we trade him. I don't hate what you've presented. I don't hate what you've presented at all. And I, like I said, Colin, I love Domas with all of my heart. But, um, yeah. But... At the end of the day, I'm tired I'm tired of making the playoffs every year, Colin, and just losing in the first round. And I know some of you guys may be listening and thinking, oh, you're taking that for granted. Um, like, my team the, would love to make the playoffs and lose in the first round. No, your team fucking doesn't. It sucks. Um, it's I, might, I would rather have a bad season and get a good draft pick than lose in the first round again, Colin. Um, and, you know, that's me. that's me maybe being spoiled by how many years. But at the end of the day, the goal of an NBA franchise is to win a championship. And I do think those trades, at the end of the day, get us closer to winning a championship than where we currently are at. Right. Yeah, just a crazy... It's not even that unrealistic of a hypothetical con. I think it's actually quite realistic. But, uh, from a... 
Yeah, from an X's and O's standpoint, I think it, it makes some sense. Uh, but from a real-world perspective of getting that done, um, yeah, we'll see. Teams we'll would see. want I Domas. I think this is going to be a crazy teams, offseason. Teams would want Domas. Teams would want Domas. And honestly, I, I don't... Teams want Miles Turner, too. Barnes and, and Heald. What did I you don't say? Know. I feel like he's... I feel like you could ask for more than just, like, Barnes and Heald. Yeah. Yeah. I the mean, hard part is do- the hard part is Domas only makes twenty mil a year. So. Uh, so matching salaries is tough, but yeah. that means teams are getting him at a great deal. Yeah, but they have to pay him the season so, I mean, after. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's our that's our little pacer talk, Con. I had to get that off my mind. I thought it was something. Yeah. I'm just saying, don't like, be shocked. Like don't be shocked if we get Ben Simmons gone. You guys clearly, I mean, you're the first media move, you know. And all I'm saying is, if we see in free agency con that they can land a guy like Kyle Lowry or something like that, that Malcolm Brogdon in a first ain't looking too bad. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we could keep TJ Warren and somehow get Ben Simmons, ooh wee. Bubble TJ Warren's oh. back. <laughs> it may be. Alrighty, Noah. Well, this has been a phenomenal episode of both Finals and Pacers Talk. We will be back at some point uh, with more Finals Talk. No, if there if it goes to Game 7, we will do a, a Game 7 preview. Dude, if we're going not, to Game next... 7. We're going to Game 7. It, we're, yeah, it's Game 7 is literally a guarantee. You'll see us in Death literally. Valley. I, I'm going to grow out my hair. I want to be one of those blonde kids. <laughs> Look like you're at Coachella. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was so funny, dude. Those kids did not look like they belonged in an NBA game. <laughs> the NBA Finals, nonetheless. Uh, too good. All right, well, we will be back with that content when it's ready. And uh, until next time, then. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bench Chatter, guys, the Common Man's NBA podcast. And we'll see you later. Peace. See ya.